You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Sit down, John. Sit down, John. For God's sake, John, sit down. Not so fast, John. I said that last night. Oh, my God. No, John needs to show us how much he loves our podcast by heading over to Patreon.com to become one of our sponsors. How does one do that? Well, revolutionaries, head on over to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search for Behind the Curtain Broadway's Living Legends. Set up a monthly donation. Even a dollar a month helps us. Your contributions help us continue doing what we are doing and bringing these legends and stories to your ears. Okay, after I... I do that? Can I shoot some fireworks into the night sky? It's daytime, Rob. Go back to your throne, King George. Oh my god. Hi, all. We have a very special episode of Behind the Curtain for you today. This is our summer sale in which you will hear portions of interviews with three guests whose interviews we have not aired. When we decide not to air an interview, it's for many reasons. Either the audio quality was not strong enough or the guest only wanted certain portions aired, but it is never because what they had to say was not interesting. Because of their importance to the evolution of the American musical, we wanted to give you our favorite portions of their interviews. We give you three of those folks today. Up first is Susan Watson. Susan was the original Kim McAfee in Bye Bye Birdie. She was Nanette in the 1971 revival of No No Nanette. And it was in Ben Franklin in Paris, A Joyful Noise, and many, many others. We interviewed her over the phone from her home in Los Angeles. Here's a little portion of our time with Susan Watson. We're going to go all the way back. Growing up in Oklahoma, how did you discover musical theater? Uh, well, it wasn't that hard. My my family was pretty musical. and My my dad played piano, and we all were, you know, grew up in having music around us at all times. But then when I was 14, my family took... Uh, uh, us to uh, New York City, and we saw the musical Oklahoma. Oh. And I decided I wanted to sing and dance and on Broadway. <laughs> so that's where I caught uh, the love of of music and 
started singing and dancing classes in Tulsa. Summer stock job at Kansas City Starlight Theater and in the chorus first. And, and when I was 19 at Juilliard School of Music in New York City, majoring in voice. Did you enjoy going to the movies when you were growing up in Oklahoma? Well, yeah, I did. Yes, I think out there, it's with Oklahoma, but you saw all of them. Yeah. Yeah, and... And the musical ones especially. Were your mom and dad supportive of you going into the arts? Yes, yes. I have to tell you, my father was in the oil business, but when he came home, he played piano every night and, and was a musician. So uh, it, was, it wasn't that bad at all. I, they really wanted me to do the music thing. And then uh, I, were they... Were, Oh, good. And my mom, she, my mom was a dancer, and a, a, not not a, a, on stage or anything, but she danced, and then she also taught dancing uh, in, in Colorado where she was living. When you st- when you went from taking classes to actually being a performer, they were still supportive of you making this your as your living. Yes, absolutely. Wow. They were, they were very hand. They were. They liked it. <laughs> were you nervous about moving to New York City from Oklahoma? Oh no! Oh my gosh! I couldn't wait to get there. <laughs> oh. um, no. Did you move by yourself, or did you have friends go with you, or did you have friends waiting for you in New York? Hmm. Well, yes, I had a few friends who were in the business, and uh, and. I I came to study first. Uh, uh, Juilliard, yeah. Yeah, Juilliard. That that's what got me here. But I already had been dancing and singing and and learning all about that kind of thing to do. Right. So it was Patricia Dowling was a friend of mine, and she she came too. So we both were there uh, as young ladies. And so would you sneak off to auditions while you were studying at Juilliard? Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, so I, I never, at 20 years old, I am thinking here, um, oh, I, I made an OB, open audition in New York, in, in New York for the London Company of West Side Story. Yeah. And I got the, the job. And I, I, it was understuttering, uh, you know, the Maria. I also read somewhere that when you finished West Side Story, you stopped over in Paris. And then that's sort of how I read that something like that's how you kind of first got connected with Tom Jones. Yes, Tom and Harvey. I right. guess they were th- they were there. Tom Jones was there, right. Uh, his, his girlfriend we knew, and that's how that connection yeah. happened. Yeah. Uh, and that was wonderful. When I returned, I sang with backers auditions and and for the uh, Fantastics, and I, I expected to play the leading role of Louisa. But you know what, William Morris, I had I had the agent, the William Morris agent with me, luckily, uh, signed me, and they got me Bye Bye Birdie, audition. Yeah. So I got the show. I was in it. But Garrett Champion cast me as Kim McAfee, and my go-to auditioning song was "Pick Yourself Up" uh, by uh, 
Kern and Field. Yeah. Nothing's Im- nothing's impossible. I have found, you know. Yeah. And that was great fun. And Tom and Harvey uh, were gracious. And they were so nice. And and uh, then I uh, took the birdie job. And Rita Gardner made the role her own as I left the Sullivan Street Theater to, to do that, yeah. to get Bye Bye Birdie. My ingenue image was born. <laughs> I stayed with me. <laughs> I was 23 years old, of course. <laughs> but I guess I didn't look that. What's it like being directed by Gower Champion? Wonderful. Um, Gower was, he was, he was, I, I thought he was a very, very good director. But it was, he was a little scary because he really wanted you to do it his way. Right. And you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've, but, we've heard a lot about him. I Yes, right. But I must admit that he was not that angry at me. So uh, that I, I watched, maybe it got different with others. But I just did my thing, and he he liked it. Yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, and then we we love Paul Lind. What was it like sharing a stage with Paul Lind? Oh, he's so fun. He was nice to me. I I must admit that was a we had Dick Van Dyke, we had Cheetah Rivera, we had Paul Lind, we had Michael Pollard, we had oh just everybody, and I loved them all. They were really, and I learned a lot. Mary Jane Miracle was my mother on the stage and in Birdie, and she was just lovely. She took me under her wing. So from number 10 bus every night, we would go and acting on the stage, the Berghoff Studios, to the fashionable practice of seaweed and massages and everything. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the lessons you took away? Yeah, I, I would say work very hard. Yep. And practice. <laughs> yep. And be ready to be ready to do it. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's great. Do you have any uh, memories of working with Robert Preston in Ben Franklin in Paris? Yeah, we were we were really uh, company was really worried that the movie star Robert Preston was going to be too hard to work with. Oh. But it turned out he was just wonderful, both on the stage and off. He was he was. Really dear. We we had no problems with him at all. In, uh, in 1990, uh, 1966, uh, you did uh, a musical that we don't talk about very much anymore, and yet it got you a Tony nomination, and it starred John Raitt as well, and this is A Joyful Noise. Uh, yeah. Michael Michael Bennett, the great Michael Bennett, was the choreographer yeah. for this piece, and yet today yeah. it's it's sort of been I, I don't want to say forgotten, but uh, it's not remembered today the way that Bye Bye Birdie is remembered. Um, do you have any record? Do you remember this show? I mean, it was a pretty short well, run. Though the show only ran for twelve performances. Yeah, I loved working with my dear friends Karen Morrow and John Ray. Oh yes, we and, interviewed Karen Morrow. <laughs> and I, Oh, she's a, f- and yeah. made a new friend in the choreographer Michael Bennett, who was just getting started. But the song "The Sweet Innocence I'm Ready" was the song I sang uh, to Tony nomination. But I begin to wonder if I'll ever get out of doing. You know, I I wanted to move up to older ladies, not in. <laughs> right. But that was that. But I'm glad that I did it. Yeah. 
we had a wonderful time. It really. Would you tell us a little bit about what was this TV pilot with Ethel Merman? Oh, yes, well, <laughs> yes, that that came along. It was a big surprise for me too, because you know I remember her name and all of that. But it turned out to be really a, a nice thing because uh, she was just so dear. I always thought of her as you know kind of mm, strong and yeah. It, but, Turned out that I I was playing her mother. I mean, she was playing the, my mother in in the show there. So uh, we got together just fine. I was going to say it was called Maggie Brown. Yes. And did you guys sing? What was the number that you sang together on the show? Um, I I have in my notes that is it an admiration society? You yes, you yeah, guys did. You belong to a da, 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 yeah. That was the song. That's incredible. This has been so much fun. You know, thank you so, so much for sharing your memories with us. And I have to tell you, on behalf of all of our listeners, you know, thank you so much for all the joy that you've given us over the years and all the joy that you continue to give us. I'm going to cry. Thank you. Yeah, you you are so beloved by so many. So on behalf of us, thank you for all you have done. Okay. Uh, Till next time, Susan. Take care. Enjoy that lovely weather out there. Okay. Love you. Love you, too. Take care. John Simon was one of the most controversial theater critics of the 20th century. His reviews were vicious, harsh, hysterical, and quite often took the performer's physical attributes to task. His reviews got him kicked out of the New York drama critic circle. Sylvia Miles dumped food on his head. And if he gave you a negative review, you can quote it from memory. Uh, John came into our studios at 94 years old um, and looked back on his work as a critic and where he thinks the role of critics are going in the 21st century. Here's a portion of our time with John Simon. When do you find yourself writing? Are you a morning writer, an evening writer, whenever? Things have changed in my life. At this stage, I spend my mornings reading The Times, which I didn't used to do in my younger days quite so. I used to read reviews, but that was it. But now I have the whole yeah. paper in front of me, and I managed to spend several hours. Not that I read everything, but I'm, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. But I'm a slow reader, always have been. Um, so I'm with that. Mm-hmm. And if I write, I start writing in the afternoon, usually. Mm-hmm. And sometimes all the way into the evening, mm-hmm. too. Or even the night, sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the time, as such, doesn't bother me. I don't think, my God, it's too early or it's too late. I started writing poetry as a very small child, in German, no less. (laughs) Uh, And then over the years, I have published poetry, and some, not much, but some. And I like poetry very much, and I'm still very much involved with it. In totality, John, how many years were you on the campus of Harvard University? Well, quite a bit, you know. Because if if you're in graduate school, every year is marked as 1G, 2G, 3G. So I think I was a 13G by the time. (laughs) You you liked school, I want to say. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I was was an assistant to various 
not to various, but to a couple of professors. Yeah. Uh, one of them was Archibald MacLeish, mm. and I was his assistant on a poetry course. And the other one was a Canadian, Eric Havelock, who was a classicist. Mm. And I was a section man in one of his courses. And I was also a section man in, I guess, something else, I forget. But in, in the, yeah, oh yes, I, that was Harry Levin's course with whom I became very friendly, except when I had a falling out with Hellman, whom he adored, then I became a bad boy. <laughs> and I had to apologize for what she did to me. Oh. Uh, but I got over that eventually. Anyway, <laughs> so that was Harry Levin. He was my, my tutor. But uh, I got involved somewhat with the Harvard Dramatic Club. Did you enjoy being on stage? Yeah. Uh, the thing that was interesting is, when I was the old Jew, I had a, a closing monologue, a closing free verse or blank verse. I forget which it was anymore. Mm. Uh, gosh. And this was at the little theater there in Harvard Square. And at the last moment in the play, the old Jew gets a long and somewhat boring monologue, uh, which I had to deliver. And the lighting person, by mistake, cut off the light, just as I went into my big speech. And of course, the people in the theater became very upset and nervous and insecure. But apparently, according to the director, I did such a good job that they didn't stir, they didn't panic, they didn't run for the exit. <laughs> so that, but then on other nights, when the light wasn't cut, I wasn't all that good. <laughs> and then when did you develop your sense of wanting to become a critic? When did you want to start putting to paper your observations? Well, I somehow thought that the transition from writing papers in graduate school to writing criticism in a publication mm -hmm. wasn't such a big deal. Mm -hmm. When you were writing um, criticism for academic publications, did you then, when you switched over to more commercial ventures, did you have to switch your writing style in any way? No, I, I, said, I always thought I was I, and whoever wanted it and liked it should want it and like it, and whoever didn't shouldn't. And so I was always, I was never aware that I was aiming my criticism at this kind of reader or that kind of reader. Or were you a film critic first and then it went to theater? I'm curious about the trajectory of that well, journey. I, it had to do with Bob Brewstein, oh, yeah. whom I had befriended. Anyway, there, there we were at a party, both Bob Brewstein and I. And he had been the theater critic for, for the Hudson Review, but he was now promoted to the New Republic. So the Hudson Review became open and he suggested, or I suggested, that I should try out for it, and I did. And that was my first critical job. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, one of the controversial things about your criticism is that quite often you would refer to a performer's physical appearance. Um, so first question for you is, is there anything that should be off limits in writing a review? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think if, if you wrote something in offensive language, like this fucker has got to go. <laughs> I, I have to change my writing style then. <laughs> or uh, I don't give a shit about so and so. That kind of thing one avoids uh, and should. But other things I think are open and free and available. But on the whole, I've had some very nice relationships with some actors mm. and, and actresses, not very many. But I never had the feeling that because you're a critic, you must never be friends with an actor. Right. Uh, you had to be reasonable. I mean, if, he, if that actor, much as you liked him, did poorly, you had to say it. Right. And in some cases, I, I, lost, I, lost my, I lost Max Schell that way because I liked a movie that he directed very much and wrote about it. But then another movie that... that Mr. Shell directed, I didn't like, and then he sort of cut me mm. off completely. Mm. That, that kind of thing happened very rarely, but it did happen, I guess. When you were starting your career as a critic, which critics did you most admire? Well, we were all, I got to be very friendly with Dwight MacDonald, and in fact, he wrote the introduction to my first book, which was a funny kind of introduction because it's more like a review than an introduction. But appropriate. It was a fairly favorable review, but with some funny objections which usually don't go into introduction. Mm. But anyway, we liked each other and we, and we thought very much the same. In fact, the only major disagreement we had was that he loved Fellini's Eight and a Half and I didn't, but I guess he was right. Looking back, I think he was right and I was wrong. Huh. Uh, Bob Brustin and I got along very good, very well and sort of liked each other's stuff. Stanley Kaufman and I were fairly mm. friendly. But he got, some, he got some expensive books about theater from Germany, which he didn't really want. And he couldn't think of anyone else to, who might want to buy them except me. So he invited me over to dinner, which he didn't usually do, and he showed me these books and offered them for me to buy. <laughs> and I said, I don't like them, I like this one. But this one was one that he liked and that he was keeping. <laughs> and that somehow slightly cooled things between us because I wouldn't buy those books. But he still said, he said he liked my pieces in the new Criterion very much. Is, if, I'm, if you don't mind my asking, is there anything that you've seen recently that you've really enjoyed or? Well, I don't go to see a, a lot of off-Broadway stuff I don't see because this television show that, that we do, uh, Corner Table, mm -hmm. uh, which is with a young fellow who used to be a student of my wife, and we have this show in which we discuss plays, but on, they only want us to do Broadway, which is wrong because 
much better things appear afterward. Yes, yes. But there it is. Uh, uh, my wife has tried to talk them into doing off-Broadway as well, but so far unsuccessfully. <laughs> uh, I guess the two last shows that I liked very much of the musical comedy variety were The Band's Visit, mm -hmm. which I'm truly very, very fond of, Yes, and, and that wonderful woman. Oh, Katrina Link. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. my God. Right. right. Yes. She's something. I was telling Billy, just the way she drops a shoe at one moment, yes. her style to yeah. it. Uh, but of course, it so looks as much as her style. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is the the prom, which I liked quite a okay. bit. Okay, that's good. We I'm saw the prom and really that. liked it as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. Yes. Yeah, it's very fun. And, and that guy, Brooks Ashnaska, yes. yes. is unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. I mean, without him, it would be only so so. Yes. Yeah. But he makes it extraordinary. Agre agreed. How soon after you see a performance or a film do you then start writing the review? Do you give yourself gestation time or? Oh, I, 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 I always do it on the basis of the one, the one time I see it. Mm -hmm. It's the only time I think in my entire career when I felt I had to go back for something was Persona, the movie by Ingmar Bergman. Oh, yeah. About whom I've written a book. And do you like to write your review immediately after seeing it, or do you like to take a couple of days to think about? It, it, I can do it either way. I mean, I, I don't feel that I should write, write it the very same night or the very next day. Mm. But sometimes I do feel like mm. that, and then I do it. But more often I let some time go by. Not, not a lot sure. of time, but some. What were some of the most memorable experiences that you've had inside of a theater, positive or negative? Well, it's interesting. One of my favorite shows of all time has become, it wasn't in the beginning, Follies. Oh. oh. I, th I think that's one of the greatest musicals there is. Mm -hmm. But that all happened when I saw it again at the paper mill. Oh. Um, that was a good production, but it didn't make it to New York because the stupid wife of the of the yeah. of the Goldman yeah. wouldn't grant it unless some other thing of his yeah. would be also put on, which nobody wanted to put on. Uh, but anyway, I just sat there. I remember in the audience, and these numbers came at me, and there was never one less good than. Mm then better even than the next. And it was just, I just sat there in total amazement. Mm. Uh, so there is that. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a delight in the piazza. Oh, oh yes. I like that a lot. Mm. I love a lot of Shakespeare plays a lot and have reviewed them as often as I could. I even like one of the less popular ones. Uh, I think Coriolanus is, mm. is wonderful. Mm. What do you think makes a good critic, a good critic? A good critic? Well, it's this thing. There are several elements involved. First of all, he, has to be a, he or she has to be a good writer because you have to read this person. And reading, you want to read a good writer rather than a not mm -hmm. good one. So a good writer is the first thing. The second thing is, is uh, a genuine passion for the thing. I mean, a love, a passion, a, a, a deep involvement with the mm -hmm. thing theater, movies, ballet, whatever it is, literature. I do a lot of book reviewing. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be the second thing. The third thing would be uh, 
not to get involved with esoteric, crazy schools like structuralism and mm -hmm. semiotics and God knows what else. <laughs> uh, I guess to write what you really believe, not what you think your editor wants mm. or your reader wants or anybody else wants. It's got to be you, totally and strictly you. And uh, then the rest takes care of itself. John, thank you so much for coming in today. This has oh, been such a fantastic it, it experience. It's very nice to do. I, yeah. I thank you for having me. Yeah. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Uh, check out John's blog and go back and read those books because they're really wonderful works of criticism. Yeah, really special. Yeah. Till next time. Bye, everybody. Hey, podcast listeners, are you looking for a place to rehearse in New York City that is clean, spacious, and most importantly, affordable? Come check out Shetler Studios and Theaters, our wonderful host for these podcasts. Shetler is centrally located on West 54th Street between Broadway and 8th Avenue, right in the heart of the theater district. Right in the heart, you'll find music, dance, and acting studios, complemented by two black box theaters and six presentation venues. The professional facilities, inspired environment, and expert industry staff combined to provide the New York artist with an unparalleled studio experience. Visit their website at shetlerstudios.com. That's S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. Shetler Studios and Theaters is our home for recording the legends of Broadway, and we hope that you make it your artistic home too. That's Shetler, S-H-E-T-L-E-R studios.com. See you here. If you're a big MGM musical fan, then the name of Carlton Carpenter must be familiar to you from the opening credits of such films as Father of the Bride, Three Little Words, Summerstock, and Two Weeks with Love, where, with Debbie Reynolds, he sang the infamous Abba Dabba Honeymoon. Uh, we spoke with Carlton uh, over the phone. He's in upstate New York and had so many great and wonderful things to share. Unfortunately, um, he was calling on a landline and the connection was not the best, but we tried to salvage what Whatever we could. Uh, he was such a wonderful, charming performer and is still with us today and is still doing a lot of cool stuff up in upstate New York. So to talk about his time in the movie musicals of yesteryear, here is our interview with Carlton Carpenter. After the war, you came to New York and you met John Murray Anderson and you did three to make ready with Ray Bolger. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. God, that ran for three years. Yeah, no, that was a long run. Well, no, that was long. And that's when I, 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 when, I you know, when we were doing Treat and Make Ready, I, I came uh, up. Uh, I would come up to, uh, uh, to visit somebody out on, uh, up here, where I am now. And uh, I, I didn't move up here until in the uh, 70s at some point. But... Uh, but I had friends, you know, that were, and, and, and I would come up and, on the weekend and stuff like that, and spend yeah. time for it, and I got to love it up there. So then eventually, when I, I could move out, but I worked all the time in New York, because not only it was, it was like stealing for, uh, for uh, all the radio that I did and stuff, it was wonderful. You just go from place to place and then call yeah. up the, uh, uh, you had special, whatever the name of it was, I can't remember now. But just, and you you call up and they tell you where your where their next thing was that day, 
and then you'd go over, and then you'd uh, do a thing of, of uh, you know, that was really like stealing. <laughs> Just go over and read a script, and, and, uh, and that's get paid, it. and that's it. Yeah. And then, then you go over and get another one, and, you know, it's, 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 it's constant work all the time, which I adored. What was uh, John Murray Anderson like? Why? I think he yeah, was he was, and he was about to get the always. He had kind of, I was his uh, like a, like a favorite. So, uh, he was. I got to sing of him in the house now. You know, when he's got got his microphone up to his lips because he always is screaming at me all the time. <laughs> but about every show we were doing, he would have me plucked up on the on the stage and. And at some point, I remember one thing we were—I think we were rehearsing through to make ready—and we were in a, in a you know an empty theater rehearsing, uh, uh-huh. not, the, not the theater we were going to be playing in. But anyway, that was in—I was just standing there with it in the, up toward the uh, back wall of the, the theater. Yeah. I mean, they got the kids there were eight dancers who were there were working on the thing in the front. And I'm standing there in the back, out loud, and, and the thing just standing there. And if I moved at all, or the Murray would be screaming on his stuff. And I said, "Mask up! You moved! You're not just stand right there, brother." Huh. <laughs> and then at one point, he he screamed out at me. He said, "Now turn and face the the wall right in back of you." And like an idiot, I said, "Why?" <laughs> And he said, because you're wearing a very expensive outfit to this point, and I want him to see the back end of it, the other side of it. <laughs> okay. How did you get out to California, and how did you get into the movies? Well, I never wanted to go to the movies. Hmm. Uh, that, was it, that was it. I, got, I had uh, offers from, uh, from, I think, four from movie places. And it was, uh, uh, I, I turned them all down because I said, I, I didn't want to do a movie. I said, I, lo- I loved going to the movies. I, I, that I liked. But I didn't care anything about uh, being a, a movie actor. I loved the stage. I was just nuts about New York. And, and, the, the, and then I went from job to job in New York all the time. You know, I could work around the clock. My God! If, if some sometimes I would go in there to uh, a place at, at uh, in the noon hours, you know, we were broke for something or other, and I'd go into one of those places where they had had a the piano up on the bar. Obviously, there were a lot of them. Those were along along about Ninth Avenue and stuff and places over there in New York. And I'd go in and get jump up there behind the thing and and, and earn money, you know, during my my lunch hour. I just loved to work all the time. <laughs> it was great fun. Now, I I have to ask you, what was it like working on Summer Stock with Judy Garland? Oh, I loved her. Summer Stock was one of them. Not, not for, it was, Kelly was mean to me. Why, I don't know. Well, he said, that, you know, he said, I saw your show in New York. And he had seen that the thing that was, had been kept me from being in the circus <laughs> because it ran too long, and uh, then I, I ended up there in, in a show with, with, uh, that he was a star of, and it was Judy's comeback show, and she was wonderful to me, and I was supposed to be doing all of, all of the uh, 
the piano stuff, for, for example, but he would jump in, you know, and uh, he did anything he could to keep me off camera, which was so strange. I couldn't get, understand why he would do that. Anyway, it was, was, was weird with him because she was all over me. She was just wonderful to me. And I wrote, I had written a song for her. And then when, when the kids, when we were doing that song, there were like, uh, there were kids under contract for, uh, for, for two months or three months, whatever, but a set amount of time. Uh, and so there was a party for them. And then I, I, uh, which I, for one of the, the uh, for the, all the kids. What was it like working with Fred Astaire? But Astaire was marvelous, and, and certainly, and I, I just like the opposite direction from Kelly. He was interested in anything I was doing, and it was it was he was, you know it was nice to me. Did you like working at MGM? Did you like working for them? Oh yeah, I did. I liked working with with them. It was, it was the whole place. All I liked all, all of it. The, the people there now were, were terrific. Do you remember doing uh, Lady in the Dark with with Ann Southern? I was doing the part that Danny Kay had done originally. Yeah, he had left when I, that's when I went down. That's when I went, my the gal that I was in in love with, that's the lady who lived up the road, her, her one of her kids. That was yeah, and she was there. God. And I went down. She went. The, that was the. the Show I saw when the first time I was went down to New York to see her, and she had put me up at the hotel on the street where she lived, and 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 for for two days, and then then you know then the next time I was in New York was uh, when I went down and got the got the show, you you know, just not knowing any better. And how was touring Vietnam? With Hello Dolly, I mean that seems like it doesn't belong together. Yeah, you know it was it was, uh, it was, it was regular stuff. Was, was, we didn't do a different the show any differently. Yeah. It was just the uh, audiences were, were more mainly uh, troops. What was it like to be on stage with Mary Martin? Uh, I did tons of stuff with her. She was wonderful. She was wonderful to work with. And then before this, you did Hotel Paradiso with uh, Burt Lahr, Angela Lansbury. Yes, that was a wonderful show. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, her. That was her first. Uh, uh, that was Angela's first show in New York. Oh. It, it turned out that they treated her rather badly at MGM. Really, oh. And kept her from from uh, moving on again because her parents were both actors, and then I maybe that was part of it. You know, and they did. But uh, she could have uh, uh, moved on to greater glory before she kind of had a chance to. Yeah. But uh, she, you know, was, she was playing that snotty little lady in in, the, in, that, in that at that point in in, the, uh, in that show in the, out there in what was it? Gaslight. Oh, Gaslight. Gaslight. It was. Carlton, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. All right.
We hope you all enjoyed that. Um, and as you know, uh, our wonderful co-host, Kevin David Thomas, uh, is now the proud father of a healthy, bouncing baby boy. And we cannot wait to get him back on the air and talk about all the wonderful things that he's been doing. Uh, always follow us on our Instagram. Always take a look at what's going on on our Facebook and Twitter. We thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Gapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.